Hello and welcome back to the Curious Clubhouse podcast to all my regular listeners out there. To any new listeners, a hearty welcome to you as well. If you're new to this podcast, this is a weekly podcast where I, your host, Jason, take you on a brief, informative journey into a specific subject or topic that has helped shape and influence today's pop culture. This week on the Curious Clubhouse, we're diving into our next video game franchise, that being the Doom franchise. Really famous, really cool first-person shooter genre video game franchise. As always, I'll tell you a bit about what Doom is. We'll go over the origins and inspirations for this iconic franchise. This week, I'm adding a new segment that I am calling Curious Controversies, where we'll dive into some of the various controversies surrounding the Doom franchise in its early days. Also, bringing back Curious Legacy, where we'll dive into the legacy of this franchise. We'll also go over some other properties surrounding the Doom universe, and finally end things as usual with our curious and unusual facts about Doom. So without further ado, let's dive in here and let's get curious. So what is Doom? Well, Doom, stylized as Doom, all caps, the franchise is a series of first-person shooter video games developed by ID Software and related novels, comics, board game, and film adaptations. The series focuses on the exploits of an unnamed space marine operating under the auspicious of Union Aerospace Corporation, or UAC for short, who fights hordes of demons and the undead in order to survive. Doom is considered to be one of the pioneering first-person shooter games introducing to IBM-compatible computers, features such as 3D graphics, third-dimension spatiality, networked multiplayer gameplay, and support for player-created modifications with the Doom WAD format. Since the release of Doom in 1993, the series has spawned numerous sequels, expansion packs, and a film many credited as as starting the FPS genre. And personally, in my personal opinion, to be toted as starting the first-person shooter genre, that is a huge accomplishment in my opinion so very very impressive there continuing on the doom video games consist of first person shooters in which the player controls an unnamed space marine commonly referred to as doom guy in the 2016 series the protagonist is called the doom slayer or just slayer the player battles the forces of hell consisting of demons the undead, the games usually set within sprawling bases on Mars or its moons, while some parts take place in Hell itself. The classic series has only a limited focus on the story, much of which was present in the manuals rather than the games themselves. More recent titles, particularly the 2016 series, would feature a heavier focus on narrative. And of course, that is referring to the 2016 Doom remake. And then, of course, we got a sequel to that, Doom Eternal. Uh, The original game featured eight weapons designed in such a way that no weapon became obsolete after the acquisition of another. With the player carrying all these weapons at once, the strategy of gun juggling, rapidly switching between the weapons depending on circumstances, can be employed. Outside of combat mechanics, Doom levels often feature mazes, colored keycards, and hidden areas. Due to technical limitations, the player could not jump or look up 
or look up or down in the classic series. These features were added in newer titles. So that is just a bit about what the Doom series consists of, what it is overall. Uh, as I said, it is a massive franchise, really helped define that first-person shooter genre. Uh, so if you haven't checked out these games, I highly recommend you do so, especially if you're a fan of FPS or just survival horror in general, because uh, they are really big on that. So now that we know a bit about what Doom is, let's now dive into the origins and the development of the Doom franchise. Starting out here, in May 1992, ID Software released Wolfenstein 3D, another great video game series, later called the grandfather of 3D shooters, specifically first-person shooters, because it established the fast-paced action and technical powers commonly expected in the genre, and greatly increased the technical prowess commonly or, or excuse me, and greatly increased the genre's popularity. Immediately following its release, most of the ID software team began work working on a set of episodes for the game, titled Sphere of Destiny, while ID co-founder and lead programmer John Carmack instead focused on technology research for the company's next game. Following the release of Spear of Destiny in September 1992, the team began to plan their next game, developing but were largely tired of Wolfenstein. Oh, excuse me. Uh, they wanted to create another 3D game using a new engine Carmack was developing, but were largely tired of Wolfenstein. The, in the initially considered making another game in the Commander Keen series, as proposed by co-founder and lead designer Tom Hall, but decided that the platforming gameplay of the series was a poor fit for Carmack's fast-paced 3D engines. Additionally, the series Additionally, the other two co-founders of ID designer John Romero and lead artist Adrian Carmack wanted to create something in a darker style than the Keen games. John Carmack then came up with his own concept, a game about using a technology to fight demons inspired by the Dungeons and Dragons campaigns. The team originally the team played combining the styles of Evil Dead 2 and Aliens. The concept originally had a working title of Green and Pissed, but Carmack soon renamed it Doom after a line in the 1986 film The Color of Money. What you got in there? In here, Doom. Uh, so really, really interesting uh, concepts, the way they were able to come up with the concept of Doom. Uh, the original title <laughs> leaves a lot to be desired there, for sure. Uh, but I love how they pulled inspiration from Evil Dead 2 and Aliens. You know, and if you've played any of the Doom games, if you've seen any of the Evil Dead movies or even the Alien movies, I think you can really see where some of that information has been pulled from. I know I definitely can, and truth be told, I've only played Doom 3 and then the 2016 Doom remake and its sequel, Doom Eternal. Uh, Dooms 1 and 2, Doom 64, I have not had the pleasure of playing those, mainly just due to the fact that they are a bit old. Um, so they're a bit hard for me to get into. Uh, but continuing on here, the team agreed to pursue the Doom concept and development began in November 1992. The initial development team was composed of five people. Programmers John Carmack and Romero, artist Adrian Carmack and Kevin Cloud. The designer uh, and and designer. Hell, they moved offices to a dark office building 
which they named Sweet 666, aptly named in my opinion, and drew inspiration from the noises coming from the dentist's office next door. They also decided to cut ties with Apogee Software, their previous publisher and self-published Doom. Uh, so really, really interesting stuff here in my opinion. They cut ties with the original software, they decide to self-publish, uh, they use inspiration from the dentist office next door. Uh, that is some genius ingenuity, in my opinion. Uh, definitely really, really cool uh, that they were able to kind of use some of their surroundings uh, as inspiration to pull from for this iconic franchise. Uh, so that's just a bit of a deep dive into some of the inspirations and ideas that brought this iconic franchise to life. Uh, so now that we know that, let's now dive into our new segment of the week, Curious Controversies. Uh, we'll break down some of the controversy that initially followed the release of some of these earlier Doom games. So Doom was notorious for its high levels of graphic violence and satanic imagery, and boy is it which generated controversy from a broad range of groups. Doom for the 32X was one of the first video games to be given an M for mature rating from the Entertainment Software Rating Board due to its violent gore and nature. Yahoo Games listed it as one of the top 10 most controversial games of all time. It was criticized by religious organizations for its alleged diabolic undertones and was dubbed a mass murder simulator. By critic and killology research group founder David Grossman, Doom prompted fears that the then-emerging virtual reality technology could be used to simulate extremely realistic killing. Uh, so really interesting there. I uh, just kind of want to break that down for a minute. The the controversy surrounding this game, and again at the time, I definitely understand it. I get it uh, because it is a video game that at its core is surrounded by demo demons, demonic possession, blood, gore, guns, murder. Uh, that is what the Doom games are at their core. So the fact that they were initially thinking, you know, virtual reality, it's in its infancy, but it is making strides. You know, could games like this prompt developers into making realistic murder virtual reality simulators? So in that regard, I, I can understand the controversy, you know, but at the same time, in my personal opinion, it is just a video game. You know, I, I think that whether you have a super violent video game like Doom, or you have a game like Mario, you know, in our Mario episode, there was some controversy there a little bit. You know, I think people are going to be violent if they're going to be violent, you know, and I think that's going to happen whether or not you play a violent video game, you know, or whether you're exposed to violent movies or you're reading, you know, a book about serial killers. You know, I think there's all manner of things in this world that could be considered violent, you know, and offensive. But at the end of the day, you know, I think it's up to the person, you know, I think I don't think it's going to make much difference one way or the other if somebody's going to kill somebody they're going to kill somebody you know and i don't think a violent video game or book or movie or other piece of media is going to contribute to that that's just my personal opinion you know you guys may you know have different views and that's totally totally understandable it's totally cool you know we're all entitled to our own opinion here you know this show is all about being curious so 
yeah, that's just my personal opinion. Uh, but continuing on here, the game again sparked controversy in the United States when it was found that Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold, who committed the Columbine High School massacre on April 20th, 1999, were avid players of the game. While planning for the massacre, Harris said in his journal that the killing would be like playing Doom, and it'll be like the LA riots, the Oklahoma bombing, World War II, Vietnam, Duke Nukem, and Doom all mixed together and that his shotgun was straight out of the game. A rumor spread afterwards that Harris had designed a custom Doom level known as a Doom Wad that looked like the high school, populated with representations of Harris's classmates and teachers and that he practiced for the shootings by playing the level repeatedly, although Harris did design several custom Doom levels, which later became known as the Harris levels, none have been found to be based on Columbine High School. Uh, so that is just uh, very tragic. Obviously, the Columbine Massacre, very, very tragic massacre. Um, you know, it's also very tragic that, you know, this game could have potentially played a part in his decision to orchestrate these killings um, so again, I understand the controversy there. I understand why you know they, they initially thought that Doom was a bad influence because they initially thought that it led to the game led to him murdering his classmates. Uh, so obviously, as I said, it's a very unfortunate, very sad massacre. So again, in that regard, in that respect, I definitely understand why this game had so much controversy surrounding it at the time. Uh, in the earliest release versions, the level E1M4 Command Control contains a swastika-shaped structure, which was put in as a homage to Wolfenstein 3D. The swastika was removed in later versions. According to Romero, the change was done out of respect after ID Software received a complaint from a military veteran. And again, you know, I, I definitely understand that. You have a swastika in a video game. Yes, it's just paying homage to another game, but you have to take, you know, our veterans' feelings into account. Um, I think it was really good of them, really, really cool of them to, you know, respect that veteran's beliefs, you know, respect his issues, and choose to take it out of the game. Uh, so kudos on ID Software for doing that for sure. Uh, but that's just a few of the various controversies, you know, some major controversies that inevitably surrounded the Doom franchise in its early days, for sure. Um, so now that we've dove into that, let's now dive into a returning segment, Curious Legacy, uh, where we'll break down the legacy of this iconic franchise. You know, despite its controversies, this is a massively successful selling franchise, uh, and it does have a big fan base. I myself am a pretty big fan of the franchise. Uh, so getting into this, Doom has appeared in several forms in addition to video games, including a Doom comic book, four novels by Defied Apu and Brad Lynn Weaver, loosely based on events and locations in the games, a Doom, in to a Doom board game, and a live-action film starring Carl Urban and Dwayne The Rock Johnson, released in 2005. The game's development and impact on popular culture is the subject of the book Masters of Doom, how two, how two guys created an empire and transformed pop culture by David Kushner. Uh, so a huge impact on pop culture, you know, as we know, other forms of media outside of the games, which again we'll touch on a bit more in detail 
and our Curious Properties section of the episode. Uh, so the Doom series remained dormant between 1997 and 2000 when Doom 3 was finally announced. A retelling of the original Doom using entirely new graphics technology and a slower-paced survival horror approach. Doom 3 was hyped to provide as large a leap in realism and interconnectivity as the original game and help renew interest in the franchise when it was released in 2004 under the ID Tech 4 game engine. The series again remained dormant for 10 years until a reboot simply titled Doom and running on the new ID Tech 6 was announced with a beta access to players that had pre-ordered Wolfenstein The New Order. The game held its closed alpha multiplayer testing in October 2015 as closed and open beta access ran during March to April 2016. Returning to the series roots in fast-paced action and minimal storytelling, the full game eventually released worldwide on May 13, 2016. The project initially started as Doom 4 in May 2008, set to be a remake of Doom 2, Hell on Earth, and ditching the survival horror aspect of Doom 3, development completely restarted as ID Tim's Willits remarked that Doom 4 was lacking the personality of the long-running shooter franchise. Um, so yeah, almost had a Doom 4 there, uh, was supposed to be a remake of Doom 2, Honestly, I'm glad they scrapped it, you know, especially since they were gearing away from the survival horror aspect of the series, and I'm glad that they then instead to reboot the franchise entirely with 2016's Doom. Uh, interesting to note here, personally, I did not know that Doom 3 was a remake of the original Doom. I had no idea that that's what that was. Like I said, I have played Doom 3. I have played most of that game. I think it's fantastic. Um, it is now accessible on almost every platform uh, gaming console that you can come by, whether, uh, you know, so really, really interesting to find that out. Um, and again, I'm glad they did scrap the concept for Doom 4. It doesn't sound like it was going to do very good. Um, and the 2016 remakes, and I believe that Doom Eternal was 2019, not sure there, um, 2019 or 2020. Uh, but both of those games, absolutely fantastic. If you're looking for an entry point into the Doom franchise in terms of its video games. The 2016 remake of Doom and Doom Eternal are fantastic starting points, uh, in my opinion. So that's just a bit about the legacy of Doom and kind of where it's headed, where it's ended up as of yet. So now that we know a bit about that, let's now dive into some other properties surrounding the Doom universe outside of its video games. First up here, we're talking about novels, uh, which I briefly mentioned in this last segment. So getting into this, a set of four novels based on Doom were written by Dafiad Apu and Brad Lynn Weaver and were published between June 1995 and January 1996 by Pocket Books. The books listed in order are titled Knee Deep in the Dead, Hell on Earth, Infernal Sky, and Endgame. The unnamed marine is called Flynn Taggart, or Fly, in the novels. The first two books feature recognizable locations and situations from the first two games. In 2005, a film novelization was released by Pocket Star Books. It was adapted by John Shirley. 
In 2008, a new series of Doom novels by Matthew J. Costello, an author who had worked on the story of the scripts for Doom 3 and Resurrection of Evil, were published. The series of books aimed to novelize the story of Doom 3, with the first installment, Doom 3 Worlds on Fire, published on February 26, 2008. The second book in the series, Doom 3, Maelstrom, was released in March 2009. Yeah, so really, really interesting here. Tons of tons of books. I have not read any of the books. In fact, I didn't even know there was books based on the Doom franchise prior to doing my research for this episode. Uh, so definitely going to have to track those down, going to have to check those out. But honestly, I really shouldn't be surprised. You know, most video games nowadays have book adaptations, you know, as do most movies nowadays. Uh, so continuing on here, comic books. Of course, there's comic books, because why wouldn't there be? A one-shot comic book written by Steve Belling and Michael Stewart with art by Tom Grinberg was released in May 1996 by Marvel Comics as a giveaway for a video game convention. Tabletop Games In 2004, a board game designed by Kevin Wilson and published by Fantasy Flight Games titled Doom the Board Game was released. In 2020, Critical Role published a 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons module entitled Doom Eternal, Assault on Amorous Station. The game was written by Christopher Lockie and Matthew Mercer and received a digital release via the Critical Role store on December 16, 2020. Uh, so really, really cool stuff there. I did not know that they had crossed Dungeons & Dragons with Doom. Um, sh again, should not be surprised that they did that. Uh, those two game series are kind of a perfect fit, in my personal opinion. I myself have not played much Dungeons & Dragons, uh, but I do have some friends that love the series of games. Uh, so definitely have to do an episode on Dungeons & Dragons at some point. Um, so, continuing on with our properties here, films. Of course, we've got a couple. Films, Doom 2005. In 2005, Universal Pictures released the first live-action film adaptation titled Doom, which starred Carl Urban and Dwayne Johnson, as we touched on earlier. Um, this movie, I thought, was very, very good. Um, obviously, you know, I think I speak for a lot of people, but maybe not, that it could have been better, um, you know, in terms of Doom adaptations. It wasn't terrible. It was okay, uh, you know, and I thought The Rock did a pretty good job uh, with his part. But so, yeah, decent film overall. So another film was done, Doom Annihilation in 2019. Uh, Doom Annihilation in 2019, Universal released a second live-action film adaptation direct-to-video titled Doom Annihilation, starring Amy Manson. And this movie is a little on the lower-budget side. I have seen it. Um, again, still somewhat enjoyable and honestly in my personal opinion the best part of this movie and it seems like where most of the budget for this movie went was towards the end of the movie uh the ending of the movie was absolutely fantastic if the entirety of this movie had been like the ending was it would have been a fantastic movie and i think probably would have spanned some sequels for sure um, so that's just a few other properties outside of the Doom video games that exist within the universe. Um, so finally here, to close out our episode, uh, we will go over some curious and unusual facts surrounding the Doom universe. Curious fact number one, the game started out as an Aliens adaptation. Interesting, let's expand on this. 
Doom began as an adaptation of James Cameron's Aliens. This went so far that the developers entered negotiations with 20th Century Fox for the license. However, this idea was soon abandoned because ID Software felt that basing the game on another property would impeach on their creativity. The idea of a more science fiction setting was inspired by Aliens, but that's the only influence ID Software took from Hollywood movies. The Chainsaw and Super Shotgun were influenced by Ash's iconic weapons in Evil Dead, and finally, the idea to have the player go up against demons came from a round of Dungeons and Dragons the developers played where demons burst through a portal and ended the game. Uh, so really, really interesting stuff here in this first fact. You know, we have a some other pop culture related properties that help influence Doom, you know, as we mentioned previously on in the episode. Um, so I love that they've taken these iconic properties and paid homage to them by creating their materials and creating their in-game items based off some of these properties like Aliens and Evil Dead, Dungeons and Dragons, among others. So really, really cool, really, really inspirational, and it lended and made for a great video game franchise, in my opinion. So curious fact number two here, the original idea for Doom was much more complex. The story is never the priority in a Doom game, which started as one long which started as one lone man's battle for survival against hordes of demons. However, the original idea of the first Doom was much more in-depth. Tom Hall presented his idea in the form of a booklet called the Doom Bible. The setup would be about the same with demons attacking a facility on an alien planet, but there was an idea to have five different playable characters, each with detailed backstories and unique abilities. John Carmack immediately shot this idea down, stating that the story in a game is like a story in a porn movie. It's expected to be there, but it's not that important. A lot of people would disagree with that point. <laughs> uh, I find that very humorous. Um, he relates the story in a Doom game to the story of a porno. Uh, very, very interesting. I myself have to disagree with this quote. Uh, I think, it, you know, I again speak for a lot of people, but maybe not. You know, I find the story in the Doom games to be very, very important. You know, I myself play video games for their story primarily. You know, so when it comes to a Doom game, I expect it to have a very good, well-drawn-out, well-written story. And I think they really nailed it with the 2016 Doom remake, as well as its sequel, Doom Eternal. Uh, so continuing on here, curious fact number three, the Doom name was inspired by Tom Cruise, of all people. Let's expand on this. Sometimes, inspiration can come from the most unlikely of places. Lead programmer Carmack revealed that he actually came up with the idea of Doom's title from the Tom Cruise movie The Color of Money, as we touched on earlier. There was a scene when Cruise's character is showing off his new custom cue case, and when a man asks, what's he got in there? He simply replies, Doom. As a cocky underdog fighting against the odds to dominate the gaming scene, Carmack related quite a bit to this movie's plot. So really, really cool. We got the title of Doom from a Tom Cruise movie, and it seems very appropriate uh, and aptly adapted in my personal opinion. Curious fact number four here, payback and revenge. Mm, interesting. Remember that Easter egg of John Romero's head on a pike behind the icon of sin in the last level of Doom 2? 
Well, nobody actually told Romero that they were doing that. Apparently, Romero was a nightmare to work with at times, and as payback, his team secretly put this secret in, but it doesn't end there. When Romero discovered the prank, he wanted to one-up them, instead of erasing it, so when players first enter the icon of Sin's domain, they can hear a demonic voice seemingly talking nonsense. This was actually Romero himself, stating, to win the game, you must kill me. John Romero, he was hoping this would go unnoticed until the game's release, but the team discovered it the next day. Each gave the team such a laugh that they kept both jokes in the final project. Uh, that is very, very humorous in my opinion. Uh, typical game of one-upsmanship uh, between Romero and the company. Uh, so very, very humorous there. Really, really love that. Really enjoy that. Again, I haven't played Doom 2, uh, so I wasn't aware of this neat little Easter eggs prior to doing my research. Uh, so curious fact number five, Doom 4. Again, we touched on this a bit previously. While Doom 2016 was praised for bringing the franchise back to its classic roots, that wasn't always the case. The original idea, dubbed Doom 4, stuck close to what a lot of modern shooters were doing, cover fire, reloading, and teaming up with other brainy soldiers in the fight. However, when John Carmack left ID Software in 2013, a large wrench was thrown into the plans. There were creative differences as Carmack wanted to put more work on the uncompleted VR systems, but Cinemax wouldn't allow this while he was under contract. When his contract ended, Carmack opted to not renew and move to the Oculus Rift. Meanwhile, ID Software completely revamped their team with new talent. This led to the developer moving away from what other shooters were doing and going back to make the franchise so popular. Um, and again, that I am so glad they did that. You know, I, I love the Doom franchise. In fact, I personally didn't really hit my stride with the Doom series until 2016. Like I said, I played Doom 3. I love Doom 3. I thought it was a great entry. Um, but at the time, it had been my only exposure to Doom. So when Doom 2016 came out, I absolutely loved it. I thought, wow, you know, compared to Doom 3, this is a masterpiece. And again, Doom 3 was really good. But in my opinion, it has nothing on 2016's Doom or the sequel, Doom Eternal. Those are both just fantastic games. Uh, but that's it, guys. Uh, that is episode number 15 in the bag here. That is all things surrounding the Doom franchise. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. I, of course, as always, love doing this episode. I love doing these episodes. Um, I love doing it. It's fantastic. Again, I love the Doom franchise. It's very dark. It's very nasty, very gritty, very gory first-person horror shooter. Um, so if that's in your wheelhouse, if that's something you enjoy and you haven't checked out the Doom franchise, I highly recommend you do so. And again, a good starting point is that 2016's Doom. Um, it is fantastic. Uh, but that's it. As always, guys, if you love this show, if you love what we're doing here, please rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast. As of now, that is the number one way that you can spread the message, spread the show, help us find new listeners, and continue to grow. And as always, if you have any questions, any topics, uh, ideas for future episodes, you can send those to the Curious Clubhouse at gmail.com. We'll get those there. And if you're looking for some other pop culture-related news, articles, and things of the like, you can visit our Curious Clubhouse Facebook page. And as always, guys, thank you so much for listening. Again, I hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, look forward to next week. Not sure what next week's episode is going to be yet, uh, but we look forward to it nonetheless. 
So thank you once again, guys. Stay safe out there. Have a good rest of the week. And as always, stay curious.